0: Dale Denwalt.
1: And I'm Nuria Martinez-Kiel. You're listening to The Source.
0: Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them.
1: Since Oklahoma outlawed abortion, and since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, there have been questions about how anti-abortion laws would be enforced in our state. Many of those questions were answered last week when Oklahoma's attorney general and state medical boards released new guidance clarifying the state's regulations on abortion.
0: The people of Oklahoma have decided through their elected leaders and the governor signed uh, legislation making abortion illegal in the state of Oklahoma from the moment of conception, except in the instance of to saving uh, the life of the mother. Reporter Dana Branham joins us this week to talk about her coverage of Attorney General John O'Connor's memo. Dana, who can be criminally charged over an abortion in Oklahoma?
2: Yeah, so Oklahoma's laws, um, criminal laws on abortion, focus on criminalizing abortion providers rather than the person who would be receiving an abortion. So someone who performs an abortion or helps perform an abortion could be charged with a felony and they could face prison time or a fine of up to $100,000. Um, So there's two criminal statutes on the books. Um, One dates back to 1910 and the other one just went into effect last month. Um, And so that more recent one, the AG said in his memo, that's probably the one that will be the better vehicle for prosecution.
0: And are there any exceptions to this law where the state would consider an abortion legal?
2: Yes. So for the criminal laws, um, there's one exception um, and that is The only exception, um, it's to save the life of the mother in a medical emergency. So you might have remembered reading or hearing about um, other abortion laws of Oklahoma's that allow for other exceptions like abortions in the case of um, rape or incest. And the criminal laws don't have that exception. So there's really just one exception under the criminal laws.
1: So the definition of abortion is really important here because there's been a lot of fear nationwide about whether contraception and other medical scenarios would be included in the category of abortion. So what clarity did the attorney general give on that? Right. So his memo did get into that. Um, he
2: laid out, you know, the things that aren't affected by um, these these new laws. And so um, birth control, including the Plan B pill, are not affected by these laws. Um, and also IVF, there was some concern that that, that might be affected by these laws. Um, and the AG said that this these laws don't have anything to do with that and also added that you know, the definition of abortion that the state is working with um, doesn't include unintentional miscarriages or management of a miscarriage um, and also, you know, doesn't include removing an ectopic pregnancy. So the memo laid out a lot of things of these are not abortions. These are not affected by these laws.
1: And the attorney general said doctors should be given, quote unquote, substantial leeway when deciding whether an abortion is the proper treatment for a pregnant patient who was experiencing an emergency medical condition. So how does the medical community interpret substantial leeway? And are there still questions about what that means. I
2: think there are still questions about that. So I can't say for sure how, you know, the medical community is is going to read that line. Um, I know when I read that, I read it to understand, like, you know, a doctor is allowed to and is going to have to kind of use her own judgment in, in making that call. And so I know the State Medical Association, when these um, when this guidance from the AG came out, said that they're going to review that and try to, you know, provide the best guidance to their members just so that they can be providing the best care for their patients too. But I think there is still some question of you know if you if you're a doctor who makes a certain decision, are you going to be second-guessed? And so, it kind of related to that, the state medical boards, the two medical boards um, over physicians in the state, are also working on guidance that um, there's there's some significant overlap with their guidance and what the AG released this week. So I would say they're working on trying to find like what those lines are and and what is allowed and not allowed.
0: We're not just talking about criminal liability here. There's also another side of the court system and that's the the civil statutes, uh, like lawsuits. What are the implication of Oklahoma's laws in those civil statutes.
2: Right, so there were two new laws that went into effect um, over the last couple of months. Um, There was Senate Bill 1503 and there was House Bill 4327, and both of those allow for civil lawsuits against abortion providers or people who, um, you know, help provide abortions or aid and abet um, someone in getting an abortion.
0: There is no criminal punishment, there is no civil exposure for the mother. It's for the people who aid or abet or solicit abortion.
2: So the difference with those laws is that, you know, in this um, memo from the AG, it was directed to law enforcement and prosecutors. They will not be enforcing these civil laws. Really, the general public could. Um, And so when House Bill 4327 went into effect, uh, which was toward the end of May. That law banned abortions past the point of fertilization, so that's you know at any point during someone's pregnancy. And because that went into effect, abortion providers had to stop providing abortions um, because if they continued, they would be at risk of getting sued by really almost any private citizen could bring that lawsuit. So those laws um, are modeled pretty closely after a law that was passed in Texas last year. And so um, both, both of those laws and the Texas law have some language around aiding and abetting, like I mentioned, like people who help uh, in some way, in providing an abortion or helping someone access an abortion, could also be sued. So those are that's kind of the uh, environment that uh, we're we're looking at on the civil side. And this this memo from the AG really was looking at the criminal laws since it was addressed to law enforcement. But um, there was some overlap in the uh, aiding and abetting language that I thought was interesting, where the AG clarified that you know aiding and abetting you know, general advocacy for abortion or activism in in favor of abortion. That's not what aiding and abetting is talking about. So I thought that was an interesting piece of clarification there.
1: Like you said, abortions in Oklahoma effectively stopped three months ago when the state passed legislation that made it liable to a lawsuit and and then later criminalized it um, to to perform that procedure at any point in pregnancy. Roe v. Wade also was over Turned since then, which further criminalized abortions in this state. But critics have said that Oklahoma's patchwork of laws were conflicting and confusing. Like you mentioned earlier, we saw multiple laws take effect kind of at the same time or within a short uh, span of time that said and, and enforced differently and did different things. So Dana, what were some of the specific concerns that the state medical boards hoped to address in giving their guidance directly to doctors? Right. So
2: um, I think the, the- where we're hearing about, you know, this is conflicting or these laws are overlapping really had to do with the exceptions. Um, And so like what the AG said, where the only exception is going to be a medical emergency, the State Board of Osteopathic Examiners, um, they released a a draft of some guidance that they're working on that they'll vote on this month, where they said the same thing. Doctors should operate as though there's only one exception, and it is to save save the life of the pregnant person. And so I think they wanted to, you know, kind of reading between the lines on it, I think they wanted to shed some light on how, what what that might look like in practice. And so there was a little bit of language in that document about, you know, if they're caring for a high risk pregnant patient, um, their, their goals should be to preserve that person's life, to preserve the fetus's life, um, and to, you know, if, if there does come to a point where it, an abortion might be necessary, that they need to monitor and wait until that emergency manifests um, rather than... You know any sort of preemptive action, and I'll just add that the language in that draft still could change. It's not going to be voted on until the 15th, um, and the other state medical board will be voting on similar guidelines on the 15th, but we haven't seen those yet. So they are expected to be very similar because you would want you know your your D.O.s and your M.D.s to be operating under the same guidance, but. Um, But we haven't seen that one, and the other one may change.
1: And just keying off of that, even the attorney general's memo was was just a memo. It's not a legally binding opinion. So how much room for interpretation is there with that? Yeah, I think there is some room for interpretation because... You
2: know, this memo, yeah, it says on it, like, this is not an official opinion of the AG. Um, And so maybe if this were an official opinion, maybe something, maybe things would be look a little different in it. But also, you know, individual prosecutors, law enforcement agencies, they're going to be kind of the... That first step of someone who might decide to prosecute in in a situation like this. So, although the AG did ask that these agencies consult with his office before they bring some of these cases, um, but again, still they're they're kind of those local first first line of h- how
1: that would go. Yeah, sounds like they have discretion and and how to handle these freshly implemented laws in our state. At least for the past several decades, since we've seen these really in effect.
0: Dana, thank you so much for joining us this week and continuing to cover this important topic. Today's podcast is possible because of the Oklahoman subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read Dana's stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at Oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.